How are you, everyone? Jeff Johnson, along with my compadre, KJ Pilcher. We are here to uh, speak some high school football, another edition of the Prep Huddle Prep Football Podcast. I got that out without uh, stuttering or anything, which is good. So um, we are through two rounds of the playoffs in the small classes, one round in the big classes. We're just going to kind of take you through uh, last week's games, um, maybe give you some 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 thoughts on our thoughts on on things that went down and uh and kind of a look ahead to uh to uh the next round here we are one round away from uh being in the unidome which will be nice uh because last week was a little frigid. Sun- yeah 72 and sunny here going forward after this week that's right and no wind welcome to yep. the dome so <laughs> But I think tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, we're taping this on Thursday. Uh, it, it looks, you know, fairly promising. So uh, it's good. The last outdoor games of the season for everyone. So uh, let's get right to it, Pilch. Um, let's go 5A. Uh, run through the scores real quick. The round is of 16. Pot A, Southeast Polk beat Limar 49-9. Cedar Falls rallied to beat Cedar Rapids Kennedy 30-26. Pot B, Dowling, West Des Moines beat Sioux City East. 45-0, John Ankeny over Johnston, 21-9. Pod C, West Des Moines Valley, goes all the way over to Pleasant Valley again and picks up a win, 31-21. Waukee beats Cedar Rapids Prairie, 21-10. Uh, Pod D, Bettendorf, uh, turned the tables on Iowa City High, 32-21. And then Ankeny Centennial, <laughs> probably the biggest surprise of the first round, knocking off um, top-seeded Waukee Northwest, 35-7. Pilch, let's talk about uh, that pod A. I guess no surprise, um, Linmar, which dealt with so much, so many key injuries this right. season, loses Southeast Polk. And then, um, you know, Cedar Falls beats Kennedy for the second time in three weeks, which, uh, you know, got to give the Tigers props, right? Yeah, and that's. I think that's the third straight time, all three at the Unidome, that uh, uh, Cedar Falls has edged uh, Kennedy. Um, you know, all three have come down to you know to the fourth quarter and and Cedar Falls able to come away with a win. Really, I thought this was Kennedy's uh, opportunity to yeah. um, to come away with a win there. Um, but you got to give uh, Cedar Falls credit. You know they uh, they kind of had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but they've slowly you know kind of built and improved uh each week they're seven and three now and have a big task against southeast polk but um it's not easy beating a team twice in in uh three weeks nevertheless three straight times especially when it's a a quality program like kennedy and you know the tigers able to to gut this one out i don't know if kennedy's gonna you know, kind of play the regret card here with um, you look at three of the four losses were literally one possession type of, of deals where they, you know, literally one play away from from winning three more games, uh, you know, finish six and four with a, a pretty talented team. Uh, I'm sure that hurts, right? So close. We got oh. so far. oh, of course, because they're the, the thing with close losses is because you could go through your mind and pick out 20 different things and play the what if game, right? Um, you could sit there and go, what if we would have done this? Or what if we would have called this? Or, 
if only we would have gotten a stop here, you know, being that close, you can, you can rue over, you know, a dozen different choices or, or uh, plays when it's a blowout, um, you know, or you're not really in the game. You just have to kind of shrug your shoulders and move on because, you know, blowout, there's not a lot you can do. Um, it's not one thing that's going to turn stuff around. Uh, but games like this that Kennedy's had against Cedar Falls, you know, Cedar Falls scoring 14 points in the, the fourth quarter and 20 of their 30 after halftime, that's uh, that's not going to sit well and, and that'll lead to some teeth grinding over the offseason. What do you think, um, you know, City High – had a tough task. I think we all kind of knew it. Um, you know, going back down to Bettendorf after uh, picking up a 41 to 21 win in the regular season uh, last week or the week before, two weeks ago, however you want to phrase it. Uh, the old axiom, man, it's hard to beat this, the same team twice, let alone <laughs> having to play them in back to back weeks on the road. You know, this time uh, a 42-21 loss or a win uh, for City High two weeks ago, 32-21 this time for, for Bettendorf. That, uh, you know, I have that right. Just that It was a tough situation, kind of like what, Prairie and uh, Limar last year, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. We, we saw that. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a similar scenario where the team that won week nine uh, lost – um, in the first round and you know just kind of looking at some of the numbers it, you kind of scratch your head a little bit um you know when you when you look at uh totals you know um but Bendorf able to run for 268 yards held yep. uh Iowa City high under 100 yards which um you know that's Bendorf football right uh yep. you know Pound the ball. Um, Gavin Barda had 118 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, they they only passed for 42, but you don't need to, especially the style that Bettendorf plays and has been known for, you know, that tough ground and pound kind of game. And, you know, um, that uh, that really carried them through. And, you, you know, you, you got to applaud, uh, you know, City High Bobby Bacon had a great game, uh, 306 yards, um, passing and a couple touchdowns, uh, you know, but I, it, it really was a, a difference with the run game compared to the week before um, that uh, that really tilted in Bettendorf's favor and was a distant, uh, the difference uh, this time around. Yeah, uh, Bentendorf had 121 yards on the ground in the uh, regular season finale. So, you know, coaches must have yeah. found a little something there, a little little change, maybe in a blocking scheme, or or maybe it's just you know challenging your offensive line. Hey, let's let's friggin' go. We're gonna ride you this week. So, um, or or just throwing this out there, just throwing this out there. Maybe there is some forethought in. We're gonna. We're more than likely, regardless of how the outcome is, we're gonna see this team back to back weeks again if the RPI shakes out how they thought, 
and maybe they left a few maybe they left a few cards on the table so that they didn't yep. kind of tilt their hand um for city high um for a set you know back-to-back games yep not that great- coaches would do that but <laughs> good ones know. would right I mean that's just maybe, sound strategy yeah you know? just you know why why you know why let them get a look under the hood when you know, you can uh, kind of keep some things to yourself. And if if you were thinking ahead that, hey, we, we're going to see these guys, you know, two weeks in a row. Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, it, it worked out for Bendorf. And, of course, now they've got Ankeny Centennial. Centennial, I think, is, is not your – I don't think it was your prototypical five and four team. Sure. Um you know that that's a pretty talented uh, squad with Centennial, and uh, that's going to be a good game. But Bettendorf certainly uh, big opportunity for them to get back to the Unidome. Well, let's see. We're down to uh, what Cedar Falls and Bettendorf on the side of the state. Otherwise, it's the the same old story, Pilch. And look at what West Moy Valley did. Yeah. You know? To come over here and knock off one of the the top three or four, you know, um, actually, probably record-wise or, yeah, record-wise, the, the top Eastern Iowa team, here comes Valley for the second straight year, four and five, you know, taking them down. So, you know, as, as much as uh, the success in the Unidome, that shows the the imbalance with Central Iowa and Eastern Iowa. I think that's indicative of of the difference as well that a team like that can uh, kind of survive their regular season schedule in Central Iowa and they come out over to Eastern Iowa and knock off one of the top teams record wise. That just shows how how strong Central Iowa is compared to the side of the state. Man, I look at uh, I, I was just looking at the stats of that uh, Valley Pleasant Valley game. Um, Pilch was Valley had let's see two hundred and forty seven total yards. Pleasant Valley rushed for two eighty two. Really? Yeah, and and still, uh, you know, Valley was was able to find a way to win. Big kick return, hundred yarder. For ninety nine yards, I guess for touchdown was was a a huge part, um, you know that game I think for Valley and and being able to, you know to pick up like you said back to back years, uh, an upset uh, I guess on at least on paper uh, over a good Pleasant Valley team. So, uh, Class Four A, let's run through the scores real quick. Then we'll have Pilch talk about what he saw over at uh, at Saints Field. Uh, on the campus of Cedar Rapids Xavier Pot A, Western Dubuque over Newton 41 to 2. North Scott beat Decorah 35-7. Pod B was uh, Lewis Central Council Bluffs over Lamar's 42-10. ADM shut out Denison Schleswig 42-0. Pod C, Glenwood over Norwalk 21-0. Bondurant Farrar vanquished Pella 23-6. And then Pod D, North Polk got past Huxley Ballard 17-14. And somehow, some way, Cedar Rapids Xavier knocks off Indianola seventeen to ten. And I'm going to let you talk about what you saw because it was something. Boy, I I tell you, it was, um, 
we've all been in a situation, right? Where you're writing your story and you pretty much have a feel of how this is, how things are going to uh, end up. And yeah. then at the last minute, you've got to tear it up and let's start over. Right. That was a situation. Um, I was in Friday. Um, you, you know, Indianola was in really Indianola was in charge in control for all but maybe six minutes of that game. And it wasn't, you know, Xavier was able to drive the ball, but Indianola had that, you know, that kind of cliched bend but don't break. Sure. Defense. Xavier would drive into their territory, but they just weren't able to get points um, on the board. They got a field goal their first drive when they, they started on Indianola's side of the field. Um, Win played havoc with some punts. Uh, that worked out early. But then, you know, there were some weird bounces that, that seemed to go Indianola's way, where the second time Xavier lined up for a field goal, uh, it got blocked. And then right before the half, um, Indianola, uh, Indianola had gotten a touchdown pass. So they were up 7-3 already. But right before the half, um, they caught like a two-yard pass. It was tipped. And somehow uh, Indianola receiver made a diving catch. And you think, oh, two yards, big deal. But the next play was – Oh, I want to say a 45-yard field goal, maybe. Um, I'd have to look and double-check for sure. But um, it hits the crossbar and then bounces over. So Indianola goes up, you know, 10-3 at the half, um, you know, because of that that bounce. Uh, Xavier, again, drives into Indianola territory but just can't seem to finish – uh, they had a series, couple uh, opportunities. Um, looked like uh, Ronan Thomas hit Quinn Olson in the back corner of the end zone. It was ruled incomplete. I'm not sure. Uh, it looked like they ruled him out of bounds, but then uh, might have been, you know, uh, called a trap when he went to the ground with the ball. Um, they got knocked loose a little bit. Um, so it was incomplete. That prevented them from tying it. And then Noah Schimberg, who rushed for like 130 yards um, and was a real durable back for them all game, uh, he runs for a touchdown. That gets called back uh, because of a legal formation. Um, so there's a lot of crazy elements to this game. And it boiled down to like the last four minutes, Indianola's up. 10-3, nothing to change from, you know, that fluky uh, field goal at the end of the first half that bounced over. And then finally Xavier closes one out. Uh, Ronan Thomas scores from, uh, I think, one or two yards out. Saints are lined up for a PAT to tie it 10-10 with about four minutes to go, 425 to go. And it hits off the right upright and bounces away. So it's 10-9 Indianola. And as Dwayne Schulte kind of described all the craziness, he goes, yeah, they're doing 
goes in, our doink goes out, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny uh, the way he described it. But, you know, uh, Xavier got the ball back. Their defense uh, did a great job in the second half, shutting you know out. But then, again, more craziness. Xavier um, gets the ball back deep in their own territory. Uh, incomplete pass. And then uh, Ronan Thomas is being pulled down outside the tackle box. Uh, kind of tosses a, a pass. Incomplete. After some discussion, they ruled it intentional grounding. So that moved uh, Xavier back. And then a sideline, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct on the sideline, arguing uh, that call. Put them, it was like third and 27 from their nine. I think, um, you know, and that's not where you want to be. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, this is, this is done. Um, Cause they're inside, they're inside about two minutes now. Um, but on four, Thomas with a one yard run. And then on fourth and like 26, he hits Carter Hoffman for a first down. Indianola really uh, kind of dropping back and, and shifting to the other side of the field and, Thomas was able to roll out. Hoffman did a nice job com coming back a little bit, wide open. They convert the first down. Then I think there's another big pass play to Colton Beasler Weber. Um, and then uh, uh, Xavier inside the five with 31 seconds left, I think from three yards out. Uh, Thomas hit a little pop pass to Quinn Olson. Um for the winning touchdown, and of course, those two hooked up for the two-point conversion that put them up 17-10, and they were uh, able to move on. The interesting thing I thought uh, about some of the things that kind of ended the game, um, that was Quinn Olson's first touchdown pass. He had been injured earlier. I know they were expecting some big things out of him maybe this year, but he had some injuries. That was his first touchdown, and I think maybe just his second catch of the season, um, and then he also adds the two-point conversion. Adam Cook with an interception on Indianola's final drive to, to seal it. That was his first interception, um, I think, of his varsity career. So, uh, Xavier, really wild and crazy game that they were able to come through. And now they've got North Polk who beat Ballard 17-14, and uh, Xavier's on the road. So, uh, things are going to get a lot uh tougher and, and more challenging over at uh, North Polk, but uh, Xavier really won a, a classic there um, being able to finish late. We'll, uh, we'll look at the next round here. Um, you know, Pilch, we've got uh, the, the anticipated, I guess, uh, North Scott Western debut game um, Friday night at uh, up at Epworth and then, uh, you know, Xavier at North Polk uh as well so um i'm telling you you gotta slay the giant and xavier to me is the giant in in 4a it has been here for for a little bit and they're still kicking man and you win sometimes you gotta win a game like like uh you know like they won friday night uh over indianola if you to win a state championship right so don't put anything past uh don't put anything past them i guess what do you think about north scott western to be just off off the cuff Oh, uh, I think that could be uh, that that could be the game, the the quarterfinals in four A. Yeah, uh, really. With you, with you think uh, 
um, Girardi. Is it Girardi or Girardi? Girardi. Yeah, he's back. Girardi. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, I knew I'd probably call him both by the time we were done <laughs> anyway. But um, yeah, you look at him being back for North Scott. That's a huge boost. Um, I think it was 31-24 when they met in the regular season. Grant Glauser had a, a huge game um, for the Bobcats. I think 389 yards and four touchdowns in that meeting. Um, so obviously that's going to be the focus for North Scott. You've got to be able to find a way to slow down Grant Glauser um, in Western Dubuque. Um, that's easier said than done with Western Dubuque's line and, and Glauser's ability to run. But I think uh, you're going to look at two defenses trying to shut down um, those two playmakers between Girardi and uh, Glauser and whoever does a better job is going to come away with a win. And, you know, Western Dubuque is, has been uh, a pretty darn good, uh, being at home. I kind of like their chances, uh, to get a second straight win and get back to the dome. Let's look at class three, a, um, your route of 16 pot, a Creston got past Harlan in the rematch 35, 27 Webster city, uh, beat Nevada 27, seven. Pod B, Solon, as expected, no problem with Fort Madison, 50-7. West Delaware in a uh, an eight-man type or eight-player type game beats Davenport Assumption, 58-45. Uh, Pod C, Williamsburg shuts out Humboldt, 23-0. Mount Vernon all over Independence, 50-6. Pod D, Sioux Center gets past Algona, 28-21. Sioux City healing over Clear Lake, 22-19. Uh, I'll speak just real, real quick on, on the game I was at, which was Mount Vernon Independence. Uh, Mount Vernon looked really, really good. Uh, you know, uh, to knock off a, a, a good Independence team and, and not just knock them off, but dominate them really was, was a very impressive performance. Joey Romberg uh, accounted for five touchdowns running and, and throwing. Um, obviously, he's uh, uh a tremendous player and really looking forward to that game against Williamsburg here and uh, on Friday night in the round of eight. And then, uh, you know, Pilch, what an unbelievable performance from Brent Yakovic of, of West Delaware, a young man that you know uh, from the wrestling mat in particular. Yeah. He, he went off uh, seven. Was he count for seven touchdowns? Is that right? For the Hawks. And that yes. went over assumption. Dang. Yep. Seven touchdowns, five rushing two. Uh, passing, uh, I think he had 490 total yards of offense. Um, that put him over, uh, 2,600, um, for the season, but yeah, huge. He, he is, you know, that, that prototypical, uh, uh, the straw that, uh, you know, that stirs the iced tea, right? Right, um, right. He, he's the guy that everything kind of goes through for West Delaware. Obviously, you know, they've, uh, uh, they've really progressed uh, up front on the offensive line and defensively throughout the year. And this is something uh, the Solon guys talked about, just how much Yankovic's a game changer. And, you know, uh, Solon isn't taking this lightly. They know exactly what uh, – uh, they're facing with him as a dual threat. So uh, talking to Brett uh, White, Ben Campman from from Solon about this matchup, they they know what Yankovic brings. It's somebody that uh, is quick and tough, um, 
runs the ball really well, and, he, and he's uh, really improved as a as a passer as well. So uh, they've got their hands full, but he also has a tough challenge in front of him with that Solon defense, who I think really has kind of carried Solon for the most part, even though um, the game against Fort Madison, the offense really shined, uh, winning 50-7 to seven there. Um, but I, I think uh, we're going to see a, a really interesting battle between what Solon does to try to neutralize uh, Yankovic and what Yankovic's going to be able to do and and maybe um, distribute the ball even a little bit if they're keen on him too much. Then we look at, at that Mount Vernon-Williamsburg game, which will be at Williamsburg. Uh, both teams – the loss for each uh, this season has been to Solon. 21-14 Williamsburg, 37-20 Mount Vernon. Um, what do you got? What do you think here, uh, you know, in this game, KJ? Boy, I don't know. Uh, you've got some tremendous play playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, you look at these two teams' as defenses – um, it's amazing how similar they are, maybe in different facets, but but really dominant. You know, Mount Vernon leads 3A, and I think the entire state with 58 sacks. Um, Williamsburg is number two, but they're 20 and a half sacks behind. Um, then they're both tied for third with interceptions, uh, 14 interceptions. Um you know, and then they're like first and third in points allowed with Mount Vernon leading 3A at 9.7 points a game and uh, the Raiders are, are third at 12.4. Um, you know, and offensively, you mentioned Joey Romberg. And then you look on the other side, uh, you know, you've got Derek Weisskopf and Clayton, Ste uh, Clayton Steckley, um, Weijin, uh, Race Heitman. Uh, all those weapons, uh, you know, uh, Kellen Cockrell uh, ranks among three uh, A's best in passing touchdowns, and he's been hurt part of the season. So mm -hmm. uh, imagine what it would be if he'd been healthy. But, you know, Romberg does such a great job passing the, the ball around. He's got Evan Brazi as his top target. And, I mean, man, this is going to be an exciting game. It's going to be fun to watch. And I think is the number one – quarterfinal, uh, regardless of class. You have I'm a not picking a winner. I'm not, not, <laughs> winning. not doing it. The other uh, quarterfinals, real quick, Webster City at Creston, and then um, Sioux Center will host uh, Helan, which I, I don't know if that was necessarily a surprise beating Clear Lake. I think they were two pretty evenly matched teams. So, mm -hmm. Class 2A, we look at the round of 16, Pot A, Central Lion, George, Little Rock, no problem with Rolling Story, 49 nothing. Carol Kemper, no problem with Clarinda, 43 to 8. Pod B, Van Meter beat LaPorte City Union, 56 0. Prairie City Monroe, 36 0 over Mid Prairie. Um, Pod C, West Lion gets past Western Christian, 29 20. Spirit Lake over New Hampton, 48 6. And then Pod D, we had Mediapolis shutting out Comanche, 27 0. Monticello, 45 0 over Jessup. So the winners there in each pod will play. Uh, for our area purposes, Monticello makes the long trip down to Mediapolis uh, in the round of eight on Friday night. 
I don't know how they determine who uh, was it an alphabet thing, KJ? I that I don't know. That's where we so, need Linder okay. here to kind of iron out that uh, uh, that second round hosting because there was a there are a couple um, couple things that kind of kind of throw threw me off a little bit too, especially you know in two A. Not only is it Monticello, Minneapolis, but look at uh, uh, Van Meter and West Lyon both hitting the road too. So yeah. uh, that, that's where Lindy comes in and helps us out with those uh, um, w- with those things because that, that's a little bit of a head scratcher um, with you know three of your top four ranked teams uh, playing road games to get to the dome. That might be. I'm just. Uh, hypothesizing here, it must be an alphabet thing. All the teams that we talked about here were district champs. So um, instead of, and, and they don't have RPI, <laughs> you know, yeah. at, at 2A on down. So it must right. just simply be a first alphabet type of a deal um, as far as who was, uh, who hosted. And that games. makes sense because uh, the teams that are hosting are first in know, the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, Monticello, I like Monticello over Minneapolis. I, I, um, you know, in an attempt to get to the dome. Um, KJ, what do you think? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so too. And I think there's, uh, it's going to depend on how big Preston Reese's shoulders are. Um, he does have a, a nice supporting cast, but you know, he, he's, he's the guy that, uh, really sets the tone for Monticello offensively and defensively. I think that gets overlooked a lot, um, even though his performance against Jessup um, allows him to set the all-time record for yards from scrimmage, uh, which is passing and, and rushing yardage, where he sits at 12,052 now in his career. He's got uh, 35-33 for the season, um, almost 2,000 yards passing in 49 TDs. Um, he what? he's a he's a difference maker. Um, you know, can Minneapolis limit what he can do and and shut him down? We'll we'll see. Uh, a lot of that might come from what they're able to do offensively. Um, Jackson Hutchinson uh, leads him in rushing with a thousand ninety six yards, twenty one touchdowns. Maybe their best defense is a ball control offense. We'll sure. we'll see. Um, you know, but I still think um, Monticello um, is going to get back to the. I think this would be their first trip to the, to the dome. I think they've the been dome. in the semifinals, yeah. but I think it was like Long in '77. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, before they played in the dome. So, and I believe Preston Reese went past some kid named DeGene for all time. Yardage, right? Wasn't it? Was some... it? Was it Hunter Deckers? Was it Hunter Deckers? Well, either way. Either <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's look at Class One A. Your um, Pot A, round of sixteen. Grundy Center and Dyke New Hartford were your winners. Grundy over Pella Christian, thirty-five twelve, and uh, Dyke New Hartford beats Sigourney Kyoto, twenty-eight eighteen, ending the Savage Cobras uh, a fine season. Another fine season. Pod B Underwood over AHSTW 42 to nothing and OABCIG beats Trainer 35-14, which means we will not have the dream matchup between AHSTW and OABCIG, unfortunately. Pod <laughs> C, Summerberg 
Gets past Emmitsburg, 9-7, Waterloo Columbus with maybe a bit of, of surprise knocking off South Hamilton, 35-24. And then Pod D, MFL, Marmac shuts out West Branch, 21-0. Iowa City, Regina over Wilton, 33-18, which sets up uh, the Regals heading north uh, up to Monona to play MFL Marmac in, uh, in Friday's round of eight. KJ, it'll be a totally different offense that, uh, you know, the, the Bulldogs will be seeing here from what they saw against West Branch. Uh, yeah. I, I'm guessing, uh, you know, uh, Regina's going to maybe want to fling that football around a little bit through the air, huh? Yeah, that's uh, – uh, they're going to air it out. And they're uh, – uh, Gentry, Dumont, Jackson, uh, Nave, they've been uh, one of the top passing combos all year long. Um you know, Dumont's second in 1A with uh, over 2,200 yards passing. Um, Nave has had about a third of that, 837 yards. Um, you know, the thing I think is interesting here is the difference in the the two programs. You know, MFL Marmac, this is just their sixth playoff appearance. Um and uh, I think maybe they're uh, fifth straight, you know, and that's as many uh, championships as Regina has, right? <laughs> you know, I think they yeah. have more championships than MFL has playoff appearances. Um, but I think it's uh, these two teams met two years ago uh, in the second round in the 2021 playoffs and MFL Marmac won 21-7. Um, obviously, two different teams, but, um, you know, again, like we said with Mediapolis, MFL Marmac's going to run the ball. Uh, they can pass it, but that's a that's a run-oriented offense. Um, if they can run the ball effectively, it's going to keep that, uh, that Regina offense that can put up a lot of points on the bench. And, you know, uh, MFL does have a good defensive front. Um, that can put some pressure on people and we've seen them uh, get some turnovers and uh, they have 21 sacks this season, 19 turnovers overall. Uh, we'll see if they'll be able to do that against the, the Regals. They're going to need to. Yeah. And like you said, I, there's no, no secrets here is what, you know, the teams are, are going to do offensively or want to do because uh, you know, it's what they do. Uh, and this will be the fifth straight year in the quarterfinals for uh for MFL Marmac and you know we talked about what an unbelievable job Dan Anderson's done there turning around a, a program that had you know no success uh historically uh they want to get you know the Bulldogs want to finally get that uh want to get to the dome <laughs> you right. know uh for the they were first really time. close last year yep. um you know they've they've had teams that were semifinal caliber teams Yep. Uh, just weren't able to kind of get over the, the hump in the postseason, and we'll see if this is her shot. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, like you said, Regina's you know almost kind of a a birthright type of a deal to go to the Uni Dome against a school that you know is, is just doing everything it can to finally get to the Uni Dome. So, a lot of subplots, uh, you know, in that game Friday night. Let's look at um, Class A Pod A quarterfinals. St. Ansgar shut out Lake Mills 33-0 East Buchanan over Lisbon 38-7 Lions. Uh, only lost this season. Great job uh, by everybody 
over there. Pod B, Woodbury Central, got past MMCRU, 35-28. I guess there was a uh, potential tying touchdown patch uh, in the back of the end zone that was after consultation between a couple officials was ruled incomplete, uh, and that was the end of that game. So, And then Logan Magnolia gets past Akron-Westfield, 22-16. Pod C, West Hancock, all over Starmont, 49-10. Wapsie Valley shuts out Maquoketa Valley, 26-0. And then Pod D, Madrid, 2-0 over Central Decatur. And Adair Casey Guthrie Center beats Linville Sully, 29-8. No real surprises, right, Pilch, here? I mean, we, we kind of figured East Buchanan might get Lisbon, and it did. Um mm-hmm. We knew Starmont was in for a, a, a tough go, and it and it was. Um, right. And Wapsie Valley with has played great defense all year. Shuts down, you know, Maquoketa Valley and anything you know in this class that stood out to you. I I think what you just mentioned with Wapsie Valley, we knew their defense was good, right? We've seen the yeah. shutouts throughout the regular season, but Maquoketa Valley had such a dynamic. They've had have such dynamic players like McShane. Um, Lance McShane for for Wapsie Valley to shut out that that surprised me a little bit and really kind of opened my eyes and boy that's going to be a heck of a game um, in that quarterfinal between West Hancock um, at Wapsie Valley you know yeah. that, that defense really to, to shut out Maquoketa Valley I think that that was a, an eye opener um for me, not knowing the specifics, if you know everybody was healthy or whatever, but uh, just that shutout. Um, not that Wapsie won, just the way that they won was the only real surprise. And, um, and looking looking at the stats from this game uh, makes me believe that. Uh, and I apologize for not knowing this. Uh, Lance McShane must have gotten hurt because he had only two okay. tackles in the game and he had five carries for sixteen yards. Okay, um, so that. That explains a little bit then of why, why that result was the way it was. But yeah, still. yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, what do you got over under on game time for East Buchanan and Saint Ansgar? Hour and a half. I say an hour and forty three minutes. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was surprised by the number of times Saint Ansgar has actually thrown the ball this year. Um, I think uh, Jay Schwiesau, um uh, the quarterback there is thrown for over a thousand yards. So is that right? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was really surprised. But when you when you look at it, uh, uh, so I went I went through and and counted up. Um, these two teams, East Buck and Saint Hansgrove, combined they've combined for five thousand four hundred fourteen yards on seven hundred seventy rushes this year. <laughs> I mean that's that's crazy. Yeah. You know. Um they have combined uh for eleven hundred and forty two yards on hundred and twenty five uh or hundred and twenty eight completions, but that's still you know, the the balance is heavily tilted towards uh, a lot of of uh of rushes this uh this Friday, but maybe that uh you know how many times have you seen the one big pass play really make a difference in games, uh, matchups that are like this? And 
maybe that'll be the case on Friday. All right, eight player, which actually uh, will be played uh, in the next round here. The the quarterfinals will be played tomorrow night uh, because I believe they're up first in the Unidome on Wednesday. Does that sound right, KJ? Yep. I think. Um, the round of sixteen: Pate, Winfield, Mont Union beat Moravia thirty-four to six. Don Bosco gets past Waco twenty-eight twenty. Pod B: Bedford over Exira EHK forty-four twenty-eight. Lennox beat Audubon. 33 to 8. Pod C. Uh, Cam and Nita defeats, gets past uh, West Bend Mallard 36 34. Algona Garrigan with the big uh, upset, knocking off uh, defending champ, previously undefeated Remsen St. Mary's 21 to 18. Pod D. Clarksville over Iowa Valley 50 to 8. And Gladbrook Rhinebeck ends uh, another great season for Central City with a 36 to 12 win. Um, you know, thoughts on on Class A, the big the the big upset, right? Remsen Remsen goes down. We'll have a new champ. Yeah, and an A player. Um, I know Remsen lost. Uh, Remsen St. Mary lost uh, a lot from last year's team, but um, you know they're nine and zero. Uh, thought they were a a team that could make it to the dome. Uh, but I'll I'll go to Garrigan. Um, you know, big win for them. And of course, things get uh, a little tougher, and now they face uh, Cam and Nita, but they get to host them. So, um, yeah. there's uh, some silver lining there. Um, but rest of it kind of went according to uh, uh, you know paper a little bit. Winfield Mount Union looking strong uh, with their three, four to six win. Clarksville, impressive in their win over Iowa Valley, uh, who had beaten BGM in a track meet the week before. And you mentioned Central City. You know, we talked about some of the injuries that they had the week before. Um, knew that was going to be kind of a uphill climb for them, not being 100% healthy. And uh, Gladbrook Rhinebeck's a quality team. And that's going to be a really good quarterfinal uh, between Gladbrook Rhinebeck and Clarksville, number five versus number seven with a trip yep. to – the semis at stake. Yeah. Uh, and they played fairly late in the regular season um, with Clarksville rallying to, to win that game, given GR it's, it's only loss. So rematch there. Uh, you know, we talked about the whole alphabet thing, right? Uh, Pam and Anita goes on the road to play. I'll go to Gary again. Alphabet wise, but not as you would think. Pam and Anita goes by. Cam, which is Cumberland, Anita, Messina, the three towns in it. Mm -hmm. Hi, or, uh, Cam's uh, hyphen Anita, so it starts with C. Algona Garrigan doesn't go by Algona or Garrigan. It goes by Bishop. Bishop Garrigan. Bishop Garrigan slash Algona. So B beats C, which means Bishop Garrigan gets the host. So you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Anything else you want to touch on? Where where are you going to be? Uh, you are going to be on the road, headed to I can't I will remember. Be on, I will be monitoring uh, East Buchanan at St. Ansgar. Here we go. Uh, Got to give props to St. Ansgar. It looks like they have a really awesome live feed uh, through a YouTube channel. Nice. Um, which uh, you know allows for something like this. So. Uh, the uh the ad quickly sent me the link 
uh, to be able to follow along Friday. So looking forward to that and and watching, uh, you know, ninety minutes of a of a quarterfinal. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe two hours. Maybe maybe, maybe two hours. So yeah, we we joke, but uh. <laughs> let's see. I can't even remember where I'm going. Oh, I'm going up to the Monona Friday night for uh, Regina and MFL Marmac. I believe Lindy is after his state volleyball duties is heading to Williamsburg, right? For yep. Mount Vernon Williamsburg. Williamsburg. Tully um, Klein would be at Solon for uh, the uh, the Solon West Delaware game. Um, and then Rob Gray, our our, our Ames correspondent who does uh, all of our Iowa State coverage, he has agreed to go down to Alleman and. Uh, uh, cover North Polk and Cedar Rapids Xavier, uh, not for a quarterfinal. So, uh, thanks to Rob Gray for yep. for helping out there. Let's do this thing. Uh, one more night outside for for all of us, and uh, you know, trips to the Union Dome and the semifinals are on the line Friday night. The Gazette.com. We'll have game stories. We'll have live running scoreboard. We'll have tweets galore. We'll have uh, live blogs. Uh, just a little bit of everything for you to to have you covered here in the in the quarterfinals. KJ, any yeah. parting thoughts? Uh, I'll have some uh, some capsules should be posted. Okay. Um, of our seven area games, uh, Gazette area games with Gazette area teams, um, uh, those will be posted, and then uh, I'll have a feature on uh, kind of the group of seniors that have led Soul in here. Um, Kind of a group that's that's motivated by leaving a legacy in a, a football rich tradition. Um, this happens to be uh, the first group that have spent four years with Lucas Stanton. They were freshmen when he took oh, over for Kevin nice. Miller, so they've kind of grown, kind of grown up in the program together. Uh, he knew when they were freshmen, this was going to be, uh, you know, this was going to be kind of a set the foundation group, and they've retained 29 of 36 football players um, from that freshman group. Wow. And you think with uh, attrition to, you know, not having playing time or, you know, maybe focusing on other sports or activities to retain 29 out of 36, that says a lot about the camaraderie and, and unity of this group. And, you know, they've parlayed that into success. Um, I was just looking, I think, um, somewhere close to like 31 wins over the last four years. Um, might even be more than that. Uh, they haven't uh finished the season out to the quarterfinal round with uh, a trip to the semis two years ago, and they're looking to get back. Um, if they can overcome uh, uh, what well on Friday, so look, look for that on the Gazette. Uh, Tom. Absolutely. Lucas Stanton had an unenviable task, no doubt, to replace a, a legend yeah. like Kevin Miller, but uh, he's he's done a hell of a job, and, and he's a really good guy, too, on top of it. Yeah, so. I mean, think of the – think of the, not only are you replacing a guy with four state titles and, you know, done so much uh, for Solon, but uh, a former Solon athlete himself, and then his personality – uh, I'll say it, you know, Kevin Miller, as much of a coach as he was successful, 
he's an even better person. And you're following not only uh, a great coach, but somebody with a great personality. I mean, come on. It was, it was tough. And Lucas Stanton has done a great job kind of continuing that tradition. No question. No question. All right, folks, thanks for joining us on another edition here of the Iowa, the Iowa, the Prep Huddle Prep Podcast on Iowa Prep Sports. I don't know. I, I flubbed it up. I admit it. So for KJ, this is JJ. We will speak at you, I believe, next week before the semifinals. Thanks, folks. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.